Wednesday, November 10th, episode 127 of the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. Got to start with the chef. Got to start with the chef. Monday night in San Francisco, Steph hangs 50 on the Atlanta Hawks. Now, going into the game, I was like, oh, this is a tough one here. Styles make fights stylistically. You look at the length and the athleticism in the front court for the Hawks. I thought Capella... Collins, I thought they'd kind of mash us on the glass. You see, you know, the undersized Warriors, and they'd have to shoot the ball well to stay in the game. Well, Steph did. Steph did, right? But I think you saw in the first half what that Hawks offense can do and how it can pull. I mean, the, the Warriors' defense was spread apart like an OnlyFans, right? They the, the distance they were having to cover in the closeouts was completely compromising and pulling apart the defense, I should say. And it, it starts with Trey Young, right? They threw a lot of different looks at him defensively. They blitzed him. They switched. They hedged, right? They were doing all these different looks. You have to stay dynamic when guarding Trey. But his gravity is real. His ability to manipulate the defense and then kick to the weak side. But it wasn't just that. It was also the size and the paint. They had to help down on Gallinari, help down on Collins, help down on Capella, right? And so they were constantly trying to recover out to their shooters, and you saw the Hawks jump out to a 15-point lead in the first half. Now, obviously, you saw what Steph did to DeAndre Hunter and then Red Velvet, and I think that's kind of a weakness. You, you see the Styles matchup, and I didn't maybe take that into account because the Hawks, they don't have a guard defender. Herter and Trey Young in the backcourt, you can't really start them and defend well. DeAndre Hunter is a very good defender, but he's a wing. He's kind of a big forward. To ask him to chase Steph around off ball through those screens, I thought that was a mistake. But then I'm looking at the roster and I'm like, oh, they don't really have another option. Remember they went and got Chris Dunn a year ago and he didn't work out. Is he in Memphis? Is he even in the league anymore? But if you pay attention, Steph, when you put a big long guy on Steph, he usually abuses them through screens. It's too hard for them to get through the screens. The guys that bother Steph, if you can call it bothering Steph, you know, is the smaller guys that can stay attached, the Eric Bledsoe's of the world, right? These little guys that can get through screens, navigate, and then still be physical. So he cooked them. Uh, but my guy, Rohan, Hawks fan, he was asking me, like, what's good with my Hawks? You know, they've been, they lost again last night in Utah. And, you know, do they lack leadership? I, I had a, a breakdown of the game yesterday on Patreon, like I always do. And I had asked the question, like, who y'all got right now, Trey Young or Dame Lillard, Right. And, you know, it, it's an opportune time maybe to ask this question with the way Dame is struggling. But to me, I'm watching Trey Young, and it's clear to me that he is playing chess, not checkers now out there. It took him about three seasons. He started to figure it out last year, right? How to balance out being a lead guard and getting others involved. And, and, and meanwhile, Dame in year 10 is kind of just playing the same way, right? And so, you know, I was throwing around that question, and you've heard... Trey and the Hawks talk about how they are kind of having a letdown right now because the games just don't mean anything. Now that we've tasted the Eastern Conference Finals, I can't get up for a Monday night against Steph Curry. Well, you probably should have. You probably should have. And hey, Trey played well. Trey played well, right? But what I'm getting at here with the Dame thing is, is I think Trey at this point is a better basketball player than Damian Lillard as far as getting everybody involved in, in the different layers of the game. But where he might be missing is, is Dame is the better emotional leader. Even though Dame's struggling, and we're going to talk about Portland here a little bit later, right? I think that Atlanta's struggling with some leadership, and I do buy into the... There's a couple elements, right? The schedule, which everybody's quick to point out. And then also, I do think that they are struggling to be motivated at this 
point in the season, this young team, right? Because they it appeared like they let, let their foot off the pedal when they had the Warriors on the ropes. And uh, yeah, man, look, the game flipped late in the third quarter and then they never recovered, right? But the fact is, Steph Curry has snatched the souls of many a team. Is there a player in the league that once he's hot and going, does one player demoralize a team or have the ability to demoralize a defense in a team any quicker than Steph Curry? Because at a certain point, it becomes like, what's the point? Even when the coverage is perfect and you've defended him perfectly and he's still hitting threes, that can really break the spirit of a team. And I think you saw that in the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter of that Hawks-Warriors game. I think we got to throw Kerr a lot of credit. I spoke on it a little bit last time. We got to throw Kerr a lot of credit here because, look, he is becoming dynamic and he's learning to coach the emotion of the game. He'd been so rigid with his rotations and you saw him leave Steph in to start the fourth quarter to deliver the knockout punch then, right there and then. Don't let them come creeping back into the game, then have to put Steph back in at the six-minute mark and it's a 12 or 14-point game. No, knock him out right away. Kerr's coaching the emotions of the game. Hell, he even you even saw Kaminga in there in the first quarter. I was like, oh, okay, okay, Steve, right? And so I think that that's a big deal, and it's kind of getting overlooked in the success because, yeah, it's, Steph's going to overshadow everything, right? But, I mean, listen, 50 and 10, 10 assists, not rebounds. He almost had the triple-double, but 10 assists on a 50 ball, that's crazy. And a third MVP at 33 years old for a six foot three guard? <laughs> Man. You know, I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. It's so early, but I heard I heard the the networks, the media guys talking about Steph, KD, right? Like the third MVP to me elevates him over Kevin Durant. Now, to some of you, you're going to put Steph over Kevin Durant already. But to me, that would clearly elevate him over Kevin Durant in this area. That's right. I think there's three guys. Well, Giannis, I don't know. Do you consider Giannis in, in, in their generation? I think Giannis is like a younger generation, right? But you got KD, Steph. And LeBron, right? Those are the three guys of this era. And I and you can argue however you want to put them, right? That's fine. There's an argument for any order of these guys. But I think that a third MVP would clearly put Steph above Durant. I say all that to say how fun it would it be if these two not only battle for the MVP all season long, but somehow, someway meet in the finals, right? That would be a dream for the NBA. The star power, the storylines, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's take care of this homestand, right? Let's take care of this homestand. The Wolves tonight, they always seem to play the Warriors tough. Is it a Wiggins revenge game? Is it a D'Lo revenge game? I don't know. I just want to see Ant-Man's post-game interview. But I think the big game for Warriors fans we've all circled is Chicago, Friday night. Vucevic kind of got the yips. Mark it down now. Alchemy curse, right? (laughs) Vooch has had the yips. He hasn't played well. You know he's going to go off against the Warriors Friday night. He'll probably have 30 and 10. We'll see. We'll see. Moving on, the jokic Markeith morris incident, ejection. <laughs> okay, first of all, you're down, what was it, 17 or 18? There's no need to take that foul. That's the first point, right? There's no need. You're, it's not a close game. It's over. Second point, you don't cheap shot somebody and then turn your back to them. So I've heard, you know, I've heard that, oh, Jokic is a coward and all this stuff. No, Jokic was going to charge him face to face. The problem was Morris turned his back after a shady foul. And so, <laughs> yeah, man, like 
Jimmy better watch himself. I know Jimmy prides himself on being a tough guy, and I'm sure he is relatively tough for NBA standards. Jokic's brothers, they don't play in the NBA. In fact, they're not from this country. <laughs> I, I'm stating ob- the obvious here, but you know, Jimmy, you got to watch out, man. He's going he's gonna to wake up with a horse head in his bed. And I'm not talking about Rachel Nichols. I'm not talking about Rachel Nichols. You know what I'm talking about here. So, yeah, man, Jokic showed uh, that he he felt bad about the incident. And we'll see, you know, the, the Morris brothers have, have a long list of, of incidences off the court. So hopefully it doesn't escalate. But the way I see it is if you're going to swipe Jokic and, and hard foul him like that, then you better be prepared to stand face to face with him after the foul. I don't think Jokic was like, let me snuff him from behind. I think Morris turned his back. Tried to walk away like you ain't finna do nothing. Wrong. I'll tell you what, if I'm Denver, I pay for Jokic's fine and he was suspended a game, as he should have been. You can't allow that stuff, that's fine. But uh, if I'm Denver, I pay his, his fine and I'm like, good job. Don't let other teams try to punk us. Continue to set the tone as the leader. So what's become kind of a nightly routine for me is to watch the Lakers late. That's like the last basketball I watch of the night, whether it's on the DVR or they're just on late if the Warriors aren't playing. They had Charlotte in town the other night. I didn't realize it was a Malik Monk revenge game. Forgot about that one, right? But, you know, I'm, I was watching Charlotte, man. Is Melo, is he going to have a little bit of a sophomore slump? He hasn't had the explosions that that we maybe expected early in the season. And you watch them when you got Plumley out there and then Scary Terry's back, like, they, got, they have some kind of maybe shooters. There's times where the spacing doesn't look great for Charlotte is what I'm getting at here. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to call the city of Los Angeles and file a complaint that there is neglect, negligence going on. The fact that they let Russ have the ball late in games, to me, it's like shame on them as a staff, record label, and motherfucking crew. It reminds me now, I know a lot of you you know, don't have kids yet, you know, but some of you do, right? And when you put your kids in youth sports, like Russ is absolutely the kid on your kid's team that like when he has the ball, it could be soccer, basketball, whatever. You're like, oh boy, oh shit. Like, nope, not now. Like it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. I don't think they can do it. Now they pulled that game out in overtime, but how many turnovers did Russ have? Dribbling just off his foot, just doing Woo. Anyway, I, I don't want to make this a thing every episode, but I, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching <laughs> the conflict and di- dilemma with this Lakers team. Melo keeps saving the day. But I think Laker fans, if, if you want to be honest, let's let's be honest here for a second. You guys are kind of trying to distract yourselves with this Carmelo love fest and, 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 and swan song. You're distracting yourself from the fact that y'all are, y'all are a mess. Y'all are a mess. Anyway, they beat Charlotte the other night. And they have the heat tonight, so we'll see. We'll see if they can hang against that type of physicality. Moving on to the Philadelphia 76ers. They've taken a few losses here. Now, Joel Embiid went into COVID protocol. I think Tobias is there. They've got all sorts of problems with the health and, and the injury. But I'll tell you what, Joel going into protocol now, knock on wood, that you know he doesn't get truly sick, right? But so long as it doesn't really affect him. Him sitting out for 10 days or so, that that that's a blessing in disguise, right? Because I had already talked about why is he out there dragging the leg if he's not healthy. To me, the the goal, Sixers fans, tell me how y'all feel, but to me, I would much rather be a six or seven seed. I'd rather be in the play-in with a healthy, fresh Joel than be a top three seed and he's just like, 
you know, dragging the leg up and down the court. They have to understand that. Like, he's got to be load managed, and maybe this this COVID protocol can allow him to to rest the body. They've got the depth. You saw them against the Bucks last night. Paul Reed, you know, drumming the backup center. And you remember Doc, this is where Doc flourishes as a coach, if you remember. Like, just look at his resume. I know everybody associates him with the big three in Boston, but he got his start in Orlando. Uh, what was the little dude, Daryl Armstrong, a, a, a young Ben Wallace? You know, they, they, it was just a, a, a team, a, a monthly crew, if you will, of young players and, and discarded vets, and they overachieved. I think Doc flourishes as a coach when he got a bunch of role players and young guys, a Tyrese Maxey, a Paul Reed, a Korkmaz, a George, George Niang. The, it, it, it's hilarious to see his personality change playing for Philly. All of a sudden, he's like screaming on fools, beating his chest. Like it's wild what happens once a dude leaves Utah. Uh, but yeah, so I think Doc enjoys this, and they just got to keep the big picture in mind, right? Another thing I want to point out now that we're you know we're we're a little ways removed from this draft class, Killian Hayes and Kyra Lewis over Tyrese Maxey is looking real crazy in the light. It's looking real crazy in the lab. I don't know how he slid to like 21. Did they get him at 21? As for the Bucks go, they're dealing with a ton of injuries as well. Uh, Middleton was out. Lopez, the back problem. DiVincenzo, I get it. But, you know, Giannis was very quick to talk about how hungry he still is, right? He's not satisfied. He doesn't care about the MVPs. He did championship that's fine I'm still the same dude I'm still hungry and for the most part he does look like that I don't think he can turn it off that's who Giannis is now these other niggas I don't know man I, I think that they're cruising a little bit right now they got beat by Washington over the weekend and they're, they're just they've earned this right you're the champs you could kind of cruise into the season just like for Philadelphia it's big picture for them that's fine I just think that the biggest advantage that the Bucks had going through the playoffs a season ago was their hunger they were the hungriest team and they had the most to prove. And that, you saw how narrowly they escaped Brooklyn in, in all those rounds, pretty much. They no longer have that edge. But I want to go back to Philly for a second here because I know you've heard the rumors now. The Boston Celtics have called on Ben Simmons. Initially, I was like, yo, I, I don't think they should deal with each other. And you look at the Fultz Tatum deal, but you know, they're rivals, right? Do you want to bolster your rival in division? You usually don't do that. But then the more I thought about it, it's exactly what Boston needs. You get a big, versatile defender who sets the tone. Right away, he's your best defender. He's going to elevate your defense. That transition bullshit, like he's, he's going to solve a lot of that, man, just by the way he plays, right? He's a ball mover. He's going to get Tatum easier shots, all while at the same time, he's going to allow, or I should say force, Jason Tatum to be the alpha. Because there's this kind of tug of war with Tatum and Brown, whether they acknowledge it or not. Like Jalen Brown's just much more of a natural alpha, but Boston needs Tatum to be the alpha. And so that solves that problem. And then Tatum just, uh, excuse me, Ben fits perfectly with the holes of that roster. So the Jalen for Ben deal, right? That's it. That's where it starts. Now you're hearing people say, well, we want Maxi. We want set. We want, we want all your assets, Philly. We're giving Jalen Brown up. Like I, I'm not giving up the kitchen sink if I'm Philadelphia for Jalen Brown, because I know how well Ben fits with Boston. It's too even of a trade already. Now, maybe you throw him Paul Reed. I'm not throwing him Maxi. Y'all know how I feel about Maxi. I'm not throwing him that. I'm not bolstering Boston that much, but a Brown for Simmons trade 
It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. After that Bucks Sixers second unit game, I'll call it. No, it was all right. It was entertaining. Paul Reed guarding Giannis was was fun to watch, right? He's a player, you know, and that, that would also help Boston. But anyway, the nightcap was the Clippers and Blazers. And they've they've played like three times already, right? And the Clippers have won five games in a row. They've righted the ship. They're talking about when's Kawhi going to come back. And hey, you, you want to talk about an annoying situation. How you feeling today, Kawhi? Mm, mm. It's like some sort of Wookiee. <laughs> um, but it was funny, man, because Nick Batum, what do he have, 18? He had some big shots down the stretch and closed the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, Nick Batum, revenge game. Revenge game against the Blazers. But he, I don't know why he would be mad at the Blazers, because if you ask me, he probably owes Portland money for the way he performed on that contract. But, uh, yeah, Batum came through. Paul George, you know, we, we all love to hate on PG, on Pandemic P, but if you want to have an MVP ladder right now, I was talking about Steph and KD. Paul George has to be in the conversation right now so long as he can get the Clippers above 500 and, and into the playoff mix. He's been right there, man. He's been really good. You look at this Portland team, to me, it kind of looks like the cat is out of the bag. Dame, he tried to do it respectfully. He tried to kind of retract and moonwalk out of it, but it's too late. Dame has essentially kind of already said like, yo, we're not good enough. Y'all ain't good enough. He's kind of said that, right? If you read between the lines, and there's no taking that back. And so I think that it's hurt their chemistry. You combine that with the fact that he's in the worst shooting slump of his career. Chauncey Billups is playing with the defense on a nightly basis. So there's all these factors why they're kind of underachieving. But it's time to make a move. Charles said it after, after the game on the inside. And so I'll throw out two trades for you. How about CJ for Pascal Siakam? Siakam's back in Toronto, and Toronto fans are probably going to push back and say, that's not even. We need more than that, right? And they, we already got Gary Trent. We don't want CJ from y'all. I just It just makes sense from a schematic spit standpoint. Scotty Barnes looks like he's ready to take that Siakam role. They have Precious Achua, OG Ananubi. They're forward heavy. They're front court heavy. You bring in another score like that. I don't know, something to consider. And the other one I was thinking was, what if they traded him to Charlotte for Gordon Hayward? I know Portland, I think, has flirted with Hayward pretty much every time he's been available throughout his career. And you look at the Charlotte team, and again, that opens up minutes for P.J. Washington in their, in their young front court, the way that Bridges has come on, right? The Horton, Horton? <laughs> Gordon is a little bit redundant with that roster, but CJ's just in a weird spot, right? At his age, with his contract, where I think teams are just going to kind of be they're not going to jump at that opportunity, but, you know, we'll see. What do we got tonight? We got some interesting matchups because is it Charlotte-Memphis? So, you know, LaMelo-Ja, but what I'm looking for is Detroit-Houston. I want to see Cade, Jalen Green go at each other. They have a little little bit of spice going on, a friendly competition, if you will. And then you got Warriors-Wolves, Heat-Lakers late. This is the Hezzy brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all. <laughs>